They were high school sweethearts that got married and had two kids. It's the Brunettes. From a new location, they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunettes. She is a journalist. He is a wonk. Wonk, wonk, wonk. They talk about the news or whatever they want. In the fight for justice, they're on your side. You can't deny it's the Brunettes. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our low effort, low quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig. This is my husband, Matt. Hello, everyone. It's been a big week in news. We have a lot to catch up on. Well, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Do we want to start with some audio grab bag? Go ahead. Okay. I have to turn it down for this one. All right. So first up, a new Weepy Peterson just dropped. Oh, gosh. That guy's always crying about something. Yes, please imbibe the epitome of masculinity. Oh, gosh. The man who will tell you how to be a man and how to act like a man in this modern era. Let's see what he's weeping about today. And you think, well, you know, we're going to destroy the planet. We have to do this. We have to demoralize the youth to be ethical. It's like, yeah, really, that's your theory you're going to demoralize young people to be ethical that's your theory it's like you should go home and think about that for like a year and i'm passionate about this you know because oh no you have no idea how many people that's killing oh god you have no idea i see people everywhere all over the world they're so demoralized (laughs) they clip to the audience just kind of unmoved young people especially Young people with a conscience, because they've been told since they were little that there's nothing to them but corruption and power. It's like, how the hell do you expect them to react? You know, they, well, I shouldn't do anything, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, well. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, he's just saying, hey, you know, telling people that things are bad, you know, it's, it's not... It's, it's not doing good for their mental health. She's you know? um, Louise. Now, I might say, you know, hey, you know, Jordan, maybe look inward a little bit yeah. and ask yourself what's going on with your mental health. You know, it's not like so it's not like someone presented a sad uh, a sad thing to you or someone died or it, you just work yourself up into these frenzies, dude. Chill out, man. And it's funny, the audience is just a bunch of like, it looks like either like grad students or reporters just kind of sitting and staring <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. I love Jordan Peterson. He's I, like a, he's got like a Nietzschean thing going on, sort of, because nothing he's saying in particular doesn't also apply to, say, the teachings of Christianity, right? There's nothing to them but corruption and power. It's like, well, that could have been taken out of Augustine. Oh, I know that I, I, you know, I thought that when I first listened to this, I was like, well, how is this a new thing? You're yeah, talking like, this about has been the going f- on for a long time. Fallenness of man and mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, typically in history, the, the fallenness of man was, uh, it's really quite heaped upon, let's say, <laughs> women and, uh, um, 
certain kinds of persons, you know, dissipated types and uh, ladies who were understood to be, I think, uh, the, you know, the real problem, the, the, the instigators. And now there seems to be, you know, sort of reversal of fortunes where men are uh, being, um, you know, uh, credited with causing all of the trouble in the world and being Pandora. And that's fucked up for Jordan Peterson. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's like, why don't we just go back to being like, no, it's like bitches and stuff. It's like, I don't know. That seemed to be problematic for women. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, men have it coming. Well, no, no, no. Subscribe well, to that, and but, he's uh, not even making a gendered point here. I just no, think it's so funny that yeah. he is simultaneously someone who is supposed to be kind of teaching young men, these wayward yeah. men, like, oh, yeah. here's how to live a responsible, upstanding, uh, kind of semi-stoic life in a sort of semi-traditional sense. And he just he just cries nonstop. Yeah, in, in I mean, public in lectures, no one prompting you to cry. Just like, is that is that what we're thinking of like that? That's the sort of exemplar of what you're. Well, I mean, this is in. the weird thing about Jordan Peterson as a character is he has these two radically opposed techniques of doing his critique, and one is to say. You know, ours is really not to wonder why. It's just to do or die. Like, we live in the times we live in. Sometimes are virtuous. Some are vicious. Ours are vicious. Here's how to be virtuous. Um, clean your room. Get a job. Blah, blah, blah. And and so on and so forth. And that's like the the side of him, the technique that is like an applied version of his critique of modernity. And that's what I think like the steel man of Jordan Peterson is like, that's what people who want to say he offers something good and legitimate tend to credit him with. And then there's the side of Jordan Peterson that does the exact opposite, which is to take up the kind of um, trauma model. Exactly. Yes. Which is what like, <laughs> I think everyone else in society is doing, which is like... When he will critique that as well, right? right? He critiques it as well, it's but like, then he, it's doing the thing where you go, actually, this thing in my past, this thing I couldn't control that uh, happened to me when I was little or when I was younger is this problem for me, and that's why I can't X, Y, Z, and I feel X, Y, Z. Um, and he, you know, he's like, you know, these boys have been told they're bad yeah. and now they feel like they can't do anything. Right. And these boys they're traumatized. have experienced, yes, trauma in the form of being demoralized about the society. In this case, he's not even talking about the people saying, you know, men are bad. He, yeah, yeah. The specific thing he's talking about is climate change and yeah. corruption, whatever, not the like, you know, white men's yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So like just exposing them to... Uh, uh, perspectives about the bad things that are happening in the world so traumatizes them that they can't ever function as adults. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of a, a much more extreme version <laughs> of the thing you typically critique in, uh, I don't know, sort of SJW type presentations where they seem to be fixated on the, something that happened to them, you know, at 12, uh, you know, for the rest of their life. And like everything is sort of, uh, you know, seen through that perspective and, and they're in constant sort of mental breakdown, uh, which is also just describes Jordan Peterson. Um, right. So. It's like, you know, you're, you've really got nothing on offer that isn't already out there in a lot of different forms at the end of the day but whatever. all right so item number two all right and this is uh, a little long so i'm going to cut it short where it makes sense um 
you know, there's a thing that's been happening, and I'm actually, I actually think I will write a paper on this at some point as part of our uh, sewer socialism series. In the U.S., there's a thing that's been happening recently where you have these grocery stores in usually remote areas, more rural areas, right? Not too population dense. And they're like kind of like the last grocery store in the area. You know, maybe there's only 1,500 people who live there or whatever. And the grocery store operator, uh, which can be either a local grocer or sometimes it could be a national chain, it doesn't really matter, eventually decides, hey, this isn't working, right? I can't really do this. It's not worth doing anymore. I'm not, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to shut the store, you know? And in that situation, um, a few cities, little towns, when they are presented with this, they have decided to buy the grocery and keep it open as a, as a municipally owned enterprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly, of course, this is all happening in conservative areas of the country because this, the, the stores are only leaving rural areas, right? It's being driven by the fact that these po- areas are not very population dense and so they can't it's hard to make decent profits at a supermarket, right? Mm-hmm. So these are all conservative areas who are all deciding to, in a sense, nationalize <laughs> their local grocery store. Um, and it, and it's, it's interesting to see them do this and to yeah. see what they say about it. Yeah, you know? how they experience this tyranny. Um, well, when you think of city employees, you might think about ones in government, maintenance, but what about a butcher? KSN Stefan Reels joins us. And uh, Stefan, that's the case in Erie, Kansas. This is like this guy's yes, first it day is. on the job. It started last year when the only supermarket in Erie was put up for sale. So the city bought it. It's something that not only kept a fixture in the city in the community, but oh. it also provided those oh. who previously didn't have benefits with them. It's a very important part. If you lose your grocery store, the town starts to wither. So the city of Erie decided to save it. Last year, with community support, the city bought Stubbs Market. Now called Erie Market, it's just finished its first quarter under city management. And it's off to a great start. Oh, it's been great. The community's been very supportive. The first quarter is showing strong that we are making some money to put back. The store is giving back even more. Since the turnover, all the employees started to receive benefits they didn't have before. They became City of Erie employees, so now they have all the benefits that we have. We are offered insurance for full-time people and retirement. We also uh, give them paid vacations and sick days, too. Benefits can often be a struggle for local companies to offer making the hiring process difficult. When you want to be hired, that's one thing you're looking for is insurance. It's part of the pay package, really. It means a lot because uh, before, when you work for mom-and-pop places, it's hard for the mom-and-pop places to afford the insurance. So with the city and they have more employees, it's, it's a better opportunity for sure for them. With the- <laughs> what a great... What a great little clip there from local Kansas news. Um, they start with, uh, it is profitable. And also we can pay our employees much better. And then they finish it as if I wrote the segment myself mm-hmm. with the lady not only saying, hey, what's cool is that these employees, uh, you know, since they're now city employees, they have access to the pension fund and the retirement fund, or, you know, the pension fund and the health care and all that kind of stuff, but also decides to turn the knife a little bit and says that... Mm-hmm. Uh, and these, you know, when it was previously Stubbs Market, a mom and pop local shop, they couldn't, they couldn't pull that off. Yeah. They couldn't pull that off because they're not big time like it's us true. at the city. It's true. 
It's so. true. I mean, Matt stole her hardest hit, frankly. <laughs> Um, because they bring up almost like word for word all the critiques that you tend to make of small businesses. Right? 100%. That they just can't, uh, they can't form a welfare state with so few people. Yeah, and they suck. They're not good at um, running businesses, well. you know. Um, you know, some of them are. I'm not saying that, you know, you can run, but, you know, by and large, they're not, uh, you know, very efficient at, at running their uh, operations oh. here. The store is profitable and is able to uh, provide uh, more pay and more compensation to the workers and keep it open, city-owned. And what's also remarkable about it, I always find these things really, it's just kind of like, no one there seems to care. Yeah. There's no one being like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. a state-owned grocery store? Mm -hmm. Is this, what is this, the fucking Soviet Union? Yeah, no way. Is this fucking China? Yeah. Everyone's just like, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. That was mm, cool. It was that's pretty great. cool. It was great. I love it. And they took the name of the market, which was Stubbs Market, which I would assume no. would be like, you know, Carol and, <laughs> yeah. and John Stubbs. And they were they just ripped that off and they put just, Eerie Market. The first day they came in, they fucking took that sign down and burned it in the parking lot. It was <laughs> like, so fucking savage. Nah, this is the public market now. It was so fucking kick ass. It was Janice who ordered it. <laughs> they call yeah. her the hatchet woman. Well, and yeah, and then all the people running the uh, <laughs> the store, at least that are um, interviewed in the, mm -hmm. are all you know like fifty year old civil servant uh, ladies. Yeah, they're all like Betty Blue hairs in sneakers <laughs> with like tennis ball walkers. Like this is really the heart and soul of the government. <laughs> frankly, is. is like old ladies. Like my mom worked for the federal government for like thirty five years, and when we would go with her to the federal building. Which, as we discussed the other day, if you're not familiar with federal buildings, if you haven't spent as much time as I have in government buildings, if you don't got it like that, like I do, like prisons and post offices, they all have a picture of the president and vice president, which is very like North Korean. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it's yes. It's really funny. When you start to notice it, it's very like, what the hell? It's like an Italian Nana having a picture of the Pope in every room. It's like, what the hell is this for? Mm -hmm. Anyway... <clears throat> Um, I would go visit my mom at work and like literally every person working for the general services administration in Fort Worth is like a 50 year old Nana. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a middle aged to older lady. And they are, you know, I, I, it's just indescribable. They have never had a political thought and never will like, or the, to the degree that they do, they're just kind of unpredictable and chaotic, Sure, but they're not, well, uh, they're not like, tyrannical bureaucrats when no one tells you no yeah. one primes you with what to think yeah. about especially in this case oh the city is going to run the grocery store there's no one there to tell you because it's a hyper local thing yeah that's yeah. just not on it's the not fucking on the radar no one talks about it so you just sit there with this thing presented to you you've got whether you're conservative or or liberal or whatever there's no one in your group being like, this is good, this is bad, this is socialism, yeah. this is not socialism. You just are presented it, unfiltered, and you're like, okay, cool, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd rather that than it shut down, and uh, it's profitable, and great. Like, they asked, um, this happened in Baldwin, Florida as well, which was a big Trump um, kind of rural enclave there in Florida, and uh, the store shut down, and the mayor, uh, you know, they bought it, the city uh -huh. bought it, and the Washington Post did a story on it, and they talked to him about it, and it was a really good story, and they asked him, like, hey, um, isn't this socialist? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> like, do you, what do you think about that? Like, uh, have you ever considered that or whatever? And he just said, well, look, uh, we have a municipal water utility 
that pumps water from the ground and sends it to your house and then sends you a bill, um, how's this any different? And it's like, you're correct. You are correct. <laughs> it is not any that is different. so fucking based. <laughs> like, just as uh, they run the, the utilities, they could run other things. And, you know, then you wouldn't have to be paying a profit share out to private owners. And, you know, you could run the businesses with slightly different uh, motives and incentives, uh, such as in this case, providing them, you know, health care and retirement benefits and stuff like that. Like, you know, um, you're right. You are completely right. But you're still... You're missing that that's, uh, that is the sort of the essence of the socialism. It's not single-payer health care or these kinds of things we really fight about, but like would be state-owned enterprises and things like that. So I love to just see a local, just local yeah. podunk news channel. Just local socialism just caught in the wild. Like, well, it sure is going well over at the socialism market today. Yeah, um, it looks like the People's Mart uh, carries on perfectly well. I don't. The new design with the hammer and sickle on the logo, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but anyways, that's what I have for the audio grab bag. Uh, so speaking of my mom, as we delve into the big news of the week, which is about the decision in Dobbs, which would affect Roe and Casey, uh, I spoke to my mother via text. Uh, and she asked me, you know, what had happened. So my parents, you know, honestly, it, it seems like at first when you're dealing with the MAGA people and they're like, I don't trust the media. When I see shit in the news, I frankly just don't know if it's true or not. You're like, that's so fucked up. You're so paranoid. But then you're like, no, that's based. Honestly, <laughs> when you see shit in the news, you really don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> like, that's just fucking true. Like, that's accurate. <laughs> And so, like, I kind of sympathize with my parents and that they'll just text me and be like, hey, is this true or is this just another fake thing the press is saying? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they do that sometimes, but <laughs> it's fucked. I don't know why, but they do. Like, occasionally they'll be like, uh, it's sad that Bernard Sanders is racist. Mm -hmm. They did that for a few weeks. Yeah. It <laughs> sucked, you know, we all had to deal with it. But anyway, uh. So they were, my mom said, you know, do you think this is going to happen? Is this leak possibly true or is it fake? What are you hearing? Mm, you're talking about the Alito opinion. Yeah, the Alito opinion in Dobbs. Uh, Regarding abortion rights. Yes. Do you think they have the votes to overturn it? Like, is it a real possibility? My mom asks, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm responding to her questions. Um and I explained that it's a Supreme Court decision and yada, yada. Finally, here's her takeaway. You ready for her? She processed all this information. Mm. She goes. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. This is via text message. The it SMS. Is. It is. Well, maybe that was an Easter egg. An earlier Supreme Court left this court. Okay, let's stop here. An Easter egg, the earlier Supreme Court left this Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So an Easter egg is like um, in a video game when you mm -hmm. hide like a little thing, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, oh, there's like this little thing in the map. And if you push the right button here, like some kind of surprise, you know, appears mm -hmm. and no one, you know, like it's it's not part of the formal game, but it's it's kind of there for maybe someone will discover it and it'll be kind of interesting and cute or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So what? So so. So she. So the reason you know she she had essentially asked me, you know, how is it possible that Roe versus Wade could just go away so fast? Okay. And I, and I said, well, it's a Supreme Court decision. Yeah. It's not a law. Mm-hmm. So it's not being repealed or something. Not in the formal legislative sense. Right. Or and it's so it doesn't have to go through that process. Mm-hmm. And it's not I think she's maybe remembering DOMA or something. It's not like we have to go through the difficult process of like instituting a con- like a constitutional amendment or mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. kind of drawn out. It's a Supreme Court decision and it can just be overturned. So that's what she's saying. Well maybe that is an Easter egg that was left by an earlier court to this court. What is that? The fact that, that you can overturn the it? The fact that, that it's that, a Supreme Court decision. That it's a case? Yeah. Not a law. Okay. So the okay, that I mean that's just how the court works. So I mean I guess like in so, some sense. So she's right is what you're saying. Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's the most uh, sane part of it. Okay. So I hope you're ready. All right. All right. So I've tried to process that. I have mostly failed, but go ahead. Okay. I don't think many folks really understand the legal stuff behind it. Okay. True. I mean, probably, true. probably. Just flat out fucking true. Okay. I just hope states like Texas don't do something stupid and ban abortion, but also deny free and widely available access to those who want it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the same. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. She doesn't want it banned. And, you know, she didn't need that last part of the sentence, but it's, it's good to go. She doesn't want abortion banned, but she also doesn't want it, Texas to deny free and widely available access to those who want it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the same. I mean, she's getting at the same thing there. No, she's, but, she, she says, I hope Texas doesn't do something stupid and ban it, but then also deny free and widely available access to those who want it. Yeah, it's redundant. It's redundant. No, it's it's like catastrophically contradictory. She's saying she doesn't want Texas to deny such and such, which is the same thing as banning it. I hope states like Texas don't do something stupid and ban it, but then also ban it. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Redundant. (laughs) No, it's, it's like you hope they don't ban it and by doing so ban it. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's nonsense. (laughs) I hope they don't ban it and, and then do something stupid like by banning it, prevent people from doing it. Right, 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 right. It's like, yeah. what the hell is this? What the fuck is she talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she meant to say something about birth control, maybe. Like, she a word. Okay, okay, yeah. That she that a, wouldn't explain like, why it's redundant because she was, she was actually trying to say a second thing. Yeah, she like a whole concept. Didn't, okay, okay. She, like, there's like... She probably meant to say, I just hope states like Texas don't do something stupid and ban abortion, but then also deny free and widely available access to birth control for those who want it. The double ban would be a real real rough one. Would be a real, real rough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) That would be like the guy who's like, I'm a Democrat and a Republican and most importantly, a Democrat and an American. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And then then she says... But a lot of that discussion needs to be from parents or guardians, not a school board. A lot of that discussion. That discussion. The discussion about abortion (laughs) or 
we're assuming contraception in the second half of that. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe contraception, right? Because that's a that's a thing, right? <laughs> Sex ed, right? They were always about you know abstinence only or con- but that needs to be for okay. parents or a guardian. Okay, so okay, yeah, okay. So I think if you take that as a contraception, you, it works. If you assume that there is a concept that was not entered for consideration mm. at all, but uh, but yeah, just and yeah. like so we're like historians trying to. That makes it work. That makes the whole thing work. And then she says... She's not saying school boards, like it, abortion yeah. law should be set at that <laughs> level of the government. Maybe it should. <laughs> it's a little bit... The ge- geography of that is too... You gotta go to your kid's school and be like, yo, can I get the abortion pill? And they're like, nah, school board voted against it last week. It was crazy. Every two weeks, we get a different different ruling on this. Anyway, uh, she then said, Frederick, where she lives in Maryland, Frederick schools are in a huge to-do about all the parents, like 80-something, who want to opt their first through third graders out of all LGBTQ education. Mm-hmm. Seriously, trying to talk to Jane about something like that, it should just go right over her head. At least I think it would. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, cool. She wants Do to talk you think about that's it. too early? Maybe I'm missing something. And uh-huh. that's her thoughts on Roe versus Wade. Okay, yeah. All right. That's a, a whole journey. Yeah. She's just kind of throwing all the issues She's in there. She's just, that's a whole, that's a she whole. She missed CRT, but if she put that in there, she'd have pretty much everything. It's a whole Laura Ingram the whole, monologue. It's like the, yeah. it's like the exact opposite of me. Where it's like <laughs> I'm just kind of running through all like the econ topics, yeah, and yeah. in her head is just all everything's kicking around. It's just like what's the big kind of like culture war stuff at the moment? Yeah, and like that's it. Yeah, that's just this what's on the TV. You know, and I, so, I mean, and you know, hey, many such cases, many such cases. In fact, it seems many more such cases than <laughs> and, than, than anything than, else. Than for the way I do things, which is sort of part of uh, you know the difficulty of my situation politically. Uh. I don't know. I don't know. Mom growing up was always, you know, she was pretty hardline. Um, you know, she was pretty anti-abortion. My dad really couldn't give a shit because he had been confounded by Malcolm Gladwell's Freakonomics. No, it was not a Gladwell book, but Sorry. yes. Um, uh, he was, you know, Freakonomics is like the only book they let boomers read. Yeah, he's not a reader, and no. I mean, I can appreciate that on some level, but, you Takes know, too long. Uh, <laughs> that book was really designed for people who aren't, it was a genius. There was one guy, I remember, remember uh, in English class, we had to, um, <laughs> one of the summers, like, I think maybe it was between junior and senior year, there was like a summer English assignment, and you had to read a book, Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the rules are. I think they were pretty relaxed. There may have been like it had to be a certain length or something, but you were supposed to read a book and then, I don't know, do what with it? Write a thing about it or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did that for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was one kid in the class who who read Freakonomics. And uh, yeah, that kid was real. Did you savage him? <laughs> he was like, uh, at the time he was like, um, he was like one of those people who's like, I'm a libertarian. Oh, you know, God, like kind yeah. of an early balloon. I now know as he's grown up that he's not that anymore. That he's okay. like just a normal, like probably like social dim, like, you know, but at the time he was real, he was real obnoxious into that shit. Um, now I read, I read a book from, I forget who wrote it. Um, 
It was one of those guys. Was it like uh, John Grisham or something? Oh, God. No, I don't think it was him. Um, it was a book. It was a book that was a novelized version of the theory that climate change is uh, like a, a conspiracy. Um, you know, is a is a conspiracy being uh, created by the government, but like not just that. Hey, they're lying to you. The uh. climate's not changing. It is changing, but they're making it change. Mm, the government's doing it. Like, so this is like the classic AIDS was engineered by the government conspiracy. Exactly. The government yeah. is doing it and they're lying mm-hmm. to you. And, and they're lying to you about it. Yeah, yeah I guess about, about what the cause of it mm-hmm. is, but they're, I guess, a- accurate that it's happening um, and they're using cloud seeding and stuff. It That's was, fucked. It was real wild. It I think they shouldn't do book. that. I don't know why I thought this would be, a, it was a funny book to read, of course. Um and but I don't I can't imagine what the teacher thought. <laughs> already trying to parse through this sort of uh, baffling nature of this person who doesn't speak seems I guess fa- is some kind of left person I guess <coughs> I don't know is he like I'm a school sure she shooter? had no fucking idea what and the then hell his summer assignment uh, he he reads a novel about climate change being a government created conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with this kid i read uh for my for that assignment i read equus the play yeah, about the horse yeah it's about multiple horses mm. in a sense mm-hmm. a guy well anyway it was also it, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so um you know aside from my mom being uh you know i i guess somewhat uh exercised by this news um you know, my dad, as I said, always felt, I think, you know, he, he didn't like the idea of abortion largely because the libs do. He always said he didn't think it should be used as a form of birth control. But on the other hand, he believes that it brings crime down. Mm, yeah. So. It's a land of contrast. Much to consider there. But what about your folks? Uh, they've never said anything about it. Okay, so I'm going to put them down as undecided on that. Um, I could probably bring them on, see what they have to say. I'm sure that they're woke on it. Your folks seem pretty chill across the board. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my dad is. Uh, my mom, I have no idea. You know, you can go all sorts of directions with it. Um, yeah, your mom's a firecracker. But um, I'm a big fan. Anyways, the... Uh, Okay, so the you know the decision leaked, and I, there's all this meta shit about who leaked it and whatever. All right, uh, that so, so why don't you? Because my um, mom is probably right that people don't necessarily understand the legal stuff going on. So this is a Fourteenth Amendment substantive due process thing. Could you just kind of explain a little bit? Like everyone is five years old. Like, why is why do people occasionally say Roe is weak? In particular, because of the way it was decided, and Casey, which is actually what you know, I think is in play here. And what does Dobbs say? What is Alito saying? I'm all, I, mean, I mean, okay, so let's take all, all a step all the way back, right? So okay. uh, in, uh, in most countries, um, you know, governments pass laws, you know, through the legislature and through the executive. And um, they'll have written constitutions. And I mean, I suppose like in good faith, you're kind of trying to, you know, fly between the, the constraints of those constitutions. But uh, th- there's not a, a separate body uh, a court that has the ability to say, no, you can't pass that law. That doesn't exist, right? Judicial review, which is the name of that, where the judges get to review the laws and say, yeah, you can pass that, or no, you can't pass that. That's not a thing. 
that exists in most countries. That's a it's a strange thing, and and I don't know of any other country where it exists to the degree that it exists in the U.S. It's a, it's a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre institutional feature of yeah, we our. We should not system. have it. Yeah. I don't. I I think it's the dumbest shit ever. Yeah, um, leftists have thought this for a long time. It has been a long-standing left critique. Of course, you give the judges this kind of power to decide what kinds of laws can exist and what kind of laws cannot exist. What kind of laws can be passed and what kind of laws cannot be passed? Well, what are we talking about? A nine-member board. Almost all of them are graduates of Harvard and Yale. Um, you know, their interests are not as as closely aligned um, with the public as elected representatives. Now, that has its own problem, of course. <laughs> whether it's money in politics or gerrymandering or whatever, that also can cause disalignments. But the most disaligned group institution is the court. And in fact, sort of intentionally so, that's supposed to be like the founder's idea is to create disalignment between them and the rest of society as some kind of check. Anyways, the way judicial review works in practice, in reality, is any lawyer in the country can file a complaint, including yours truly. I'm empowered to do this uh, as a member of the bar. (laughs) can file a complaint in a federal district court. Then uh, they can hit the appeal button twice, and then and then it could go to the Supreme Court if they want to uh, hear it. And then the Supreme Court can use that case to create, to change American law however they want. That, I mean, you know, that's my, my way of presenting it, but that is the practical reality of how judicial review works. An absurd, an absurd process. An absurd process. But with that being said, over the years, starting in 1803 to present, the court has used this to develop a body of constitutional law, uh, which, uh, again, like I say, shouldn't exist, but, um, and, and decide what kinds of laws can exist and can't exist. And really, you know, it just depends. Like, there, it's, a, it's a legislative body. Like, constitutional law, in theory, they're interpreting the Constitution, all this shit in practice, right? It's just nine people form a legislative body if five of the four are willing to say yes or no then then the constitutional law is amended right you could almost create like a statutory uh representation of the constitutional law if you wanted to mm-hmm. um you know here's the uh, article one of the constitutional law pertaining to free speech and the rules are a b and c and here's article two pertaining to freedom and the rules are a b and c and you can change that constitutional law whenever you want um with roe and then Casey, um, starting, I don't know, like uh, 50, 60 years before then, we get uh, judges who go, uh, yeah, you know, interesting. So I think there's this, uh, there's an implied right to privacy in the Constitution. Um, you know, I just kind of piece it together, I guess. Like I looked at it, it seems like maybe there's an implied right to privacy. And so... I'm going to use that as sort of my hook, right? Because normally if you're writing a constitutional law case or any case, but really especially a constitutional law case, the first thing you got to do is you got to be like, all right, here's the, here's the sentence in the constitution that like I'm going to key in on, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the sentence and it says <clears throat> such. Mm-hmm. So starting from that sentence, yeah. I'm going to make a variety of logical leaps because the sentences are all vague. Right. Super fucking vague. Right. It's very, it's similar to biblical scholarship. It's exactly, <laughs> remind yeah. me exactly of yeah. um, the, the stuff I see in uh, like uh, ch- like uh, the churches on TV. Yeah, yeah. Where proof, the guy's texting type yeah, shit. Yeah, the guy, the, the minister is mm-hmm. like, uh, turn your Bible to such mm-hmm. and such and he'll read like three sentences and then he'll be, and then like, and then he'll go off and talk for like 15 minutes. And then at the end of it, he's like, and that's why you need to be saving at least 10% of your income. Yeah. I'm like, um, okay. Um, that's basically what it is for the court as well. <laughs> so 
you seize upon the 14th Amendment, which doesn't say anything about privacy, but you go, but I look at it and it kind of makes me think that privacy is part of it. And so the 14th um, Amendment is due process. It's a, there's a law. It's got many different parts to it. But yeah, one part of it says you, you can't be deprived of your life, liberty, etc. without due process of the law. Um, so you key in on that. You go, there's a right to privacy. And then from there you go, and, and what does this right to privacy imply? Well, it also implies, therefore, the right to A, B, and C. Yeah. And it could be whatever. It could be abortion. It could be, um, it could be gay sex. It could be... Um, contraception it could be i think they were the under this thing uh they've they've also included like uh the right to like uh, teach your kid uh a language okay cool <laughs> i guess there was like uh some states for a while were kind of trying to be like hey you need to teach your kids english you know and mm. they're like nah you can't you can't do that um because the privacy thing um so yeah there you go and then you get this mm-hmm. and to say it's especially weak, I mean, to me, I find it a sort of in, the whole thing incredulous. I mean, I guess it's a little bit it's a little bit weaker than normal because normally you key in on a particular sentence in the Constitution, mm-hmm. including the amendments, and then you can kind of go a little bit more directly from that sentence to your proclamation. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, okay, it's a little bit more direct, but it's bullshit. It's all you all just basically legislating, mm-hmm. right? Here, I guess, because there's the intervening step where the the text that you key in on mm-hmm. doesn't you doesn't ever doesn't talk about privacy at all, and so you use that to create to essentially write a sort of secondary constitutional text which has the word privacy in it, and then you key in on that text which is not in the and then do the same shit people do with all the other stuff. I guess because of all of that, it's a little bit more uh, tenuous. The the link story involves more links to get to mm-hmm. it um but to me I, that doesn't seem it, it's all weak so, so i don't know about degrees even, of weakness this doesn't even really seem like an unusually tenuous you know constitutional law <laughs> case to you it seems like they're all they're all tenuous i mean it's a little bit it's a little bit more i guess because like i said you have to bootstrap language that doesn't mention privacy in order to construct a general right to privacy and then from there do the normal shit. Whereas some uh, with like this free speech ones, you can just take the language straight from the speech and do your normal shit without having to construct an intermediate step. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like in that sense, it's a little bit more. Um, but I mean, realistically, right? What conservatives don't like about this stuff. And I mean, it's the same thing liberals don't like about conservatives when they're on the court <laughs> is that, uh, Constitutional law is 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 just completely made up. It's all fake, right? Like the Constitution exists, but these proclamations, none of them follow in any obvious way from the text of the Constitution, which is impossibly vague. So, if you kind of view it from the conservative legal movement perspective, which I think a lot of the media struggles to uh, fully uh, imbibe, <laughs> and which is a sad thing because then I think they don't really understand what's going on. The conservative legal movement looks at the court and says. Okay, so here's what happens is um, essentially like uh, uh, there's some kind of contemporary liberal um, movement in society, whether that's a movement for abortion rights, whether that's a movement for gay rights, whether that's Mm -hmm. a movement for gay marriage, whether that's a movement for on and on down the line, right? Yeah. There's some kind of movement in our society where people are pressing the issue and saying, hey, we want our society to be fundamentally reformed to include X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. 
And what happens is those movements, you know, they have some success. They start moving public opinion. They win some states and all this kind of stuff. And like, so far, I guess, in a sense, so good, right? Yeah. That's politics, right? You're winning. You're convincing some states to legalize gay marriage. You're convincing some states to legalize abortion. You're convincing some states to whatever, legalize contraception. Like, you could go on down the line. You're, you're convincing some states to do this. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is, is, for whatever reason, around like 30 to 40% support, once you kind of achieve that threshold, um, the uh, a, a, a liberal lawyer and a liberal organization uh, kind of cynically files a complaint, runs it, hits the appeal button twice, and then gets the Supreme Court to make it part of constitutional law. Yeah. And that that just happens over and over and over again. So rather than winning in the political battles yeah. and, and, and continuing your campaign, convincing state after state or convincing the federal government to do like a national law, what you do is you get up to a point about maybe, I don't know, 30, 40%. You convince elite opinion, which is very influential among judges because judges are, they're, re- they're, you know, they're reading the New Republic just like everyone else, right? You get to the point where you're getting maybe, you know, 30, 40% support across the population and like maybe 60, 70, 80% support among kind of elites. And then you use that to get, to push the constitutional button. Mm-hmm. And then and then that's how you change the law and make it kind of a mandated thing across the nation. And like the <laughs> conservative legal movement is like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This is bullshit. Like you, you're just constitutionalizing everything you want to achieve in our society, you know? And it's funny, like how... F- it's funny to see what people do that for. Like, for example, um, because you can you can make up anything. Yeah. Um, you know, the Fourteenth Amendment says you know you can't be deprived of your you know right to life and liberty you know without due process, right? Right. Why not just bring a case saying that this means that the government ha- must provide health care to all of its citizens? Because to not do so would be to deprive people of life right i mean if we're just writing fucking debate cases which it sounds like where it's all we're doing you just kind of it like is. get a really wide value and then just have a narrow right. criterion the value is life yeah. health care saves people's life people legit die from not having insurance not having access to health care so you can say the 14th amendment gives you know puts upon the state the government gives them a positive obligation to provide health care you know to the oh, fullest it's a stronger possible. argument than many it's totally in line with anything feasible, else you could do. Yeah. No one ever brings these cases, and that's because, you know, economic issues. <laughs> As with all <laughs> things, we can't get anything done on the economic issue. But you could just, like, we talk about passing Medicare for all, and they're like, do we have enough votes in the Senate and whatever. Dude, get the right judges in there, and you can pass Medicare for all through a fucking uh, lawsuit. Like, you could. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe not exactly Medicare for all, you know, but like you could pass a requirement that the government insure every adult, um, you know, which, you know, through constitutional law. And yeah. of course, people people would be very uh, kind of outraged by that. <laughs> people who were opposed yeah. to it, they'd be like, uh, excuse me, we have elections in the legislature for that. Yeah. Uh, you can't just get your, you know, your judges in a row and then uh, have someone file a case and then constitutionalize that, you, you know, so... Anyways, um, so the conservative me- labor, the conservative legal movement, you know, they they think all that's bullshit, and so they also, but they also partake in this too. Yeah. So it's kind of like reached this point where, um, 
you know, they've convinced themselves that liberals on the court are just engaged in cynical policy making and have yeah. said, well, okay, fine, then fuck, if that's if that's the name of the game, then all we got to do is be be very vigilant, get our people on the court, and then we can engage in cynical policy making as well. We can undo everything they did and we can also block shit that we don't want them to do, Yeah, which they have done, right? They, um, they threw out uh, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act they um this the court has recently um there was a, a case where in seattle they were trying to desegregate the schools right like um you know it's illegal to obviously have formal racial segregation but we do in fact have de facto racial segregation in a lot of schools and so they were partaking of a, a policy agenda to try to desegregate them by race you know um i don't know if it was quite busing or whatever the court said nope can't do that um, the court has uh, thrown out, uh, they threw out Medicaid expansion, the court threw out uh, public sector union uh, fair share fees, um, on and on, right? Like, yeah. once the conservatives get in there, they just start vetoing laws they don't like and enacting policies they, oh, precisely. Uh, they don't like. Yeah, no one gives a shit about procedural anything. No. Now, in Roe, the interesting thing about the Alito thing, which is, this is where the conservative legal m- movement has been for a long time, you could... Though I, no one ever talks about this in the U.S. Because you can do anything through constitutional law if you really want to. Ooh. You could. Right now we have a constitutional right to abortion. Mm-hmm. You could also constitutionally ban abortion. If you wanted to, someone could bring a case, file it in the district court, hit the appeal button twice, and then if you get five judges together, the opinion would be the easiest thing in the world to write. You would say... Uh, the Fourteenth Amendment protects the right to life, liberty, uh, and property without, you know, due process and all this shit. So we're looking at that, and we think, you know, abortion, you know, it takes a life, and so we think that, in fact, uh, states may not permit abortion, right? So you could constitutionally ban it, yeah, and say that no state or federal government is allowed to legalize abortion, and this is not even just like, oh, well, you know, the court could do anything. Germany, the German uh, Federal uh, Constitutional Review Court, you know, which was set up by the uh, by the Americans after the war, you know, like they kind of structured that government, you know, similarly. Um, they did that in 1975. Jesus. So like two years, so two years after Roe, and they are fully aware of Roe, right? Roe looked at it and said, uh, there's a constitutional right to abortion. Germany looked at it at, at language that's essentially equivalent to the 14th Amendment, in their constitution, right? Yeah. Looked at the same, essentially, 14th Amendment of the, it's not actually the an amendment because it's in their core constitution, but the same language, the German equivalent of the 14th Amendment, it said, actually, I think that bans abortion. Yeah. So, so you have an American Supreme Court looking at, the, at this text and goes, this little text here, I think it uh, requires abortion rights. And then another court look at the same text and go, I think it bans abortion. Right. And like, which is just to show li- you could do anything, literally anything, with this shit. Yeah. Now, but what's interesting is that's not where the the conservative legal movement they kind of a little bit cucked on this. It's funny, you know, uh, like that that has not been their position, and no one has really put forward that position. Instead, what they've decided to do is say we want to overturn the constitutionalization of abortion rights, and therefore kick it back to the uh, elected officials. The states. The states or the federal government, that's sort of up in the air. Could you do a federal ban? Would that be unconstitutional? I don't know what they would say about that. But 
to say, look, this is not going to be decided in constitutional law. Like in the same way that the healthcare system is not decided by constitutional law, you know, the same way that like food stamps and the military and the same way that all that stuff is not a matter of constitutional law. Yeah. This is not going to be a matter of constitutional law. It's going to be a matter of legislated law. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's where you are, I guess. I mean, that's a long way to that point. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's weird. It's kind of a weird thing to experience as someone who hates the fact that the courts ever make any kind of constitutional pronouncements. Yeah. Because, like, in practice, right, if, if we had the court system that I would like to have, nothing would be constitutionalized, right? There would never be something that, like, the courts come in and say, ah, you cannot do this because it's against the Constitution, right? Everything would be legislated law. Yeah. Right. In practice, you could still have a constitution again as a little guidepost, like let's act in good faith, try to fit within it. But you would never have a court saying you can't do this or that as an elected official. You can't yeah. pass this law or you must pass that one. You would never have that. Um, and so, you know, in this case, that's the conclusion that is being reached. And so it's, you know, from an ideal perspective like that, you know, but from a practical perspective where if, if this is in fact things people do. The problem you run into is, well, it doesn't make sense. Like, at the point where the court has this power, it doesn't make sense for you never to use it. Yes. And, I mean, that's the shitty, that's the fucking horrific equilibrium we're in, where both sides, if you will, want to use that power to enact whatever policy they want. And so, a system, uh, an elaborate system of federal government with the house and a senate and a president and then all of these state houses with their houses and their governors and all that all of that is kind of like very very much secondary to the supreme court now because once they're ready and willing to make any kind of constitutional pronouncement they want that becomes the most important lawmaking body in the country Mm -hmm. like just massively overshadows everything else yeah de facto um jesus christ yeah, and I mean, this is, like you say, a long-standing <laughs> left critique. Um, I mean, do you feel like, I mean, I guess this is maybe one of the more concerning things about um, this being a 14th Amendment issue. I mean, are you concerned about other cases that have been decided under substantive due process? Uh, you know, I mean, in the opinion, he distinguishes them, so I don't know how serious he is on that, but I mean... Again, like, (laughs) it's sort of a weird situation where it's like, ideally, in my view, none of the the constitutional cases that have ever been decided should have ever been decided. You know what I'm saying? Like, there should be no substantive due process construction. Yes, 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 yes. So all those cases are, in a sense, wrongly decided. It should have always been up to elected officials on any of those things, right? And people... Sometimes people freak out when I say this. It's very weird. It's a weird experience because I think for a lot of liberals, because they're so used to, again, what the conservative legal movement criticizes is a cynical theory where they just file a case and constitutionalize all of their policy aims. Because they're so used to relying upon that, they can't imagine a world where you don't rely on Like, it just really freaks them out. Yeah. But it's actually, that's the normal, that's normal in most the world, right? That's the normal way laws work elsewhere in the world. And the thing with the Supreme Court, which we are learning now, which should have been clear 
just theoretically, hypothetically, what you're learning now is that you can't make, the court is not a one-way road. If you're like, oh, well, all the court does is constitutionalize liberal policies, and that's cool because then I get to make everyone follow them regardless of the state, regardless of who wins Congress or the president or anything. Like, we just we just bowl over the whole electoral process and we just, all of our liberal policies, we just implement them through the Constitution, like fucking A+. Plus. But then you then you take a step back and you realize, oh, shit, they can do that too. They can do that too. The conservatives can do that too. <laughs> And like once you can kind of get your head around that, you realize, oh shit, actually no, 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 no. <laughs> um, this is not good for me because anything that could be constitutionally required could also be constitutionally banned because you could do anything with the Constitution. Yeah. And the other thing is, but I mean, I don't know. The whole, the whole situation we're in, whether it's Roe or any of those other cases or or all sorts of cases. I mean, who knows? Are they going to declare the NLRA unconstitutional? Are they going to declare, you know, all sorts of regulations unconstitutional? Are we going to bring back Lochner era? I mean, who knows? But the situation we found ourselves in right now with the Supreme Court is I don't think people have really digested how bad it is because... I think there's an understanding like, oh, well, conservatives are in control of the court now and that's going to be a problem. I don't think people realize that it's 6-3 conservative right now, maybe 5-4, depending on how you think about Roberts, who seems to act a lot, bit more moderately. It's it, But it's not just 6-3 now. It's 6-3 probably forever. Why do you think so? Because as we've seen in the last 20 years, the judges are strategically retiring which is not something that seemed to have happened that much before then, but there seemed to be a recognition, very much so in the last 20 years, that I, as a judge, should wait until there's a president that will appoint someone who thinks like I do, and then I can pick my successor. I can pick who sits in my seat. Maybe not to the literal individual, right? I don't get to say that person, but I get to know, uh, yeah, I want a conservative sitting in my seat. So I'm yeah. going to wait. Or if you're, I want a liberal sitting in my seat. <laughs> Fucked incentives. They're yeah. all doing that. You have a weirdo shit like Scalia died totally unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, RBG. RBG died uh, totally expectedly, but she's just kind of like a stubborn idiot. Oh. Right? So like you get, you get a, like a little bit of that, but that's not actually how it ha- mostly happens. People are not dying in People office People are anymore. wising up. They're way wising up. Way wising yeah. up. And we've already seen this. So, the likelihood that the court's ever going to switch back when court when the judges now basically have the power to pick their own successor if they choose to do it if they if they're not just kind of dumb or something real random happens the idea that's ever going to switch back is like it's it's hard to see how that would happen you'd have to win so many elections simultaneously in order that there would be no window for a conservative to retire Right, like you got to yeah. string together like twelve or sixteen years of a, of election victory, something that's only happened like once in the country, right? With like the FDR era, you'd have to string together like sixteen years of electoral victories, so that they can't find a window and they just fucking they just die. That's yeah. what you got. That's the only way you could flip the balance of the court mm. or random deaths. But random deaths also can go both ways, right? Like weirdo random events that's like true. that. On average, that should shake out. 
and the libs seem a little bit less strategic than the conservatives. That's true. Frankly, that's true. So well, they're, the personages mean something to them because of Idpal. <coughs> so, like the actual physical body means a thing to liberals, and it doesn't to conservatives. They're mm. like, who cares? It's the conservative brain in the body that I care about. <laughs> it's weird that it plays out that way. I mean, you could you could definitely make cases for either one. Obviously, like they don't give a shit. If Amy Coney Barrett had terminal cancer and was about to die, and there was no other female justice to put in her seat, they wouldn't give a rat's ass. They'd stick a white man in that seat in a heartbeat. Yeah, it does seem like they're more uh, into kind of solidaristic team playing and 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 but less like into Ruth just Bader Ginsburg was not gonna because she was like, she, I wanted a female president. She and was blah, blah, blah. yeah. She was she had a very um very she put a very significant weight on uh the on self-glorification <laughs> i mean like you just realistically like, she did people weren't allowed to like or were were seriously discouraged from giving her a hard time about it because she was a woman and it had been hard for her and yeah. so on and so forth and so, so you weren't allowed to like you know try to hound her right. about you know stepping down while there was still time right and that's actually all on the record that like took place that's just a fact oh yes for sure Anyway. Now, now, you know what's interesting is, and I mean, these are discussions that we don't like, you know, like this is all kind of theoretical at this point because, you know, the court operates the way it operates. And when it does, you really have no choice but to play the game. Um, but, you know, there was this critique. I don't know if you ever ran across this critique in debate, but I remember it was big in the debate days, especially policy debate. Um, and I think they would call this like a movements disad or something like this. And it was, I don't know if it was always applied to this specific situation but it has an application here mm -hmm. and it, it has to do with um it has to do with what happens when you use the courts as a strategy like this uh -huh. right like if you take the conservative critique of what the court has done with all these liberal movements which frankly though i don't like the conservatives i think they're correct about mm -hmm. how the court is operated right where what happens is you get a new like liberal movement in society and they start they start winning and they start convincing people and they start you know some states mm -hmm. get on board and like you kind of like a normal democratic process right mm -hmm. what happens you know after they get above a certain threshold of support is they run the case up the chain and they get it constitutionalized yeah. and there's this critique out there uh, that's obviously super speculative but it's kind of an interesting critique to think about that says that 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 process uh, in American politics and that strategy that that has been very prevalent among liberals, whether it's Brown v. Board or Roe or you know on down the line, um, some what was it Lawrence v. Texas, like that strategy uh, is actually a huge mistake because what happens is when you are campaigning to win these rights. And you're succeeding at it, right? Like gay marriage is a perfect example of this, right? It goes from 5% to 10% to 15% to 20 to 30 to 40, right? Like they're winning and they're winning states. State after state after state is legalizing gay marriage. You get some backlash here and there, but like the trajectory is up. That the process of campaigning and winning it like in an authentic way where you actually win these elections and you convince the electorate to get on board with you, that that process leads to more dur durable victories and also makes it uh, to where you can actually implement the thing you want to implement, right? Rather than, and, and it changes the way you approach the issue, right? So 
when you're trying to win it through normal electoral processes, the way you approach the issue is very heavy on like persuasion and convincing people in a kind of deep way that they should support this, right? Once you flip the switch and you run it up the court, it goes from persuasion to enforcement. Yeah, that's true. And and that this becomes a serious problem because, in fact, as much as we like to think that the court is this powerful, the court is a powerful lawmaking entity, but it's not a powerful enforcement entity. Yeah. It's not really able to do a lot Classic of the... Classic th- Andrew Jackson quote. Yeah, it's not a, a, actually able to achieve a lot of the things that it tries to constitutionalize. We, with, uh, with school desegregation, we see this quite vividly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they make it illegal for schools to be segregated. Um, and then a lot of backlash occurs as they try to enforce this. And they, they accomplish this sort of in a formal sense. But without getting people deeply bought into that idea, what happens is, I mean, schools are, are still very racially segregated in the U.S., right? Through residential segregation, people, you know, white people live here and black people live here and people make decisions about where to live based on the racial compositions of the schools and all that kind of stuff, right? So like absent actually the kinds of thorough persuasion that could occur with real small d democratic politics, absent that, the flipping the switch in the court, you can't actually get the thing to happen. Right, and then in fact, people now feel like they're being enforced upon instead of being persuaded, and and, and got right. the seeds of a counter movement. And you can get a backlash. And I mean, arguably, you could make the case with what LGBT issues at the moment. I don't know how significant this backlash is, where people are passing these like trans bills and all this kind of stuff. But like, it fits with that theory. Now, I don't know because we can't run the history. We can't run the tape of history the other way. You can't know what it would have been like in the alternative, but. You know, that's one of the arguments that I think is interesting when it comes to the judicial review debate mm-hmm. that I think, you know, obviously just is, is exists in sort of theoretical like debate, <laughs> like speech yeah, and debate, yeah. but like <clears throat> is completely absent from the discourse, which is it does it actually behoove a popular movement to try to implement its ends this way to yeah. try to snap into the court. Uh, yeah. a, a good example in the alternative would be um, women's employment. Mm-hmm. Right for a long time, it was very difficult for women to be employed, um, and there were sort of, in, you know, formal and informal reasons for this. Right, like certain jobs weren't being open to them. There was tremendous amount of discrimination and all the rest of it. I suppose that you could have tried to run that up to the court and say that, hey, there's a constitutional right uh, to, you know, uh, you know, the rules around equal treatment because there is a, there is a, you know that part of the constitution we don't have the equal rights amendment but there's something less than that that gets intermediate scrutiny blah 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 yeah. that you could use that part of the constitution to say hey they've got to clear out all of this stuff because look men and women are un- are unable to get the same kinds of jobs and the same kind of work and whatever that did not happen there were some cases, of course, about gender discrimination that did kind of go up the Constitution, but women's employment, which is now, you know, somewhat, you know, has gone up dramatically over the last half century or whatever, that occurred through the more small-D democratic process. Right. Right? They, there was a passage of gender discrimination laws in the Civil Rights Act. There was more thorough just convincing of people in society that, yes, this is important, you should hire women and, you know, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Like, that that and, and and that doesn't seem on a knife's edge. No, there's no one's like, oh, is this gonna 
we're gonna go back from that like it just seems no, it's like, like pretty we subtle. had that fight and settled it and and conservatives can't undo it through the court yeah right with the other ones they can undo it because it's a matter of constitutional law there's nothing the court could do right you would have to like fight literally everyone Right. You'd have to change oh, every mind. It would be tremendously difficult. <laughs> Which is a hard battle. Right. And so I've always thought that kind of movement's this ad. I've always found that to be at least nominally compelling. Um, now, in the moment, I don't know how relevant it is. Again, you, I guess you use whatever tools you, you have at your disposal. Um, yeah. And also, like, no one alive now had any control of what happened to Roe. No. Or Casey. No, I yeah, it would know, only be a forward-looking... activist's fault. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, for me, everybody's going to, you know, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, but for me, this doesn't change anything, you know. I got a bunch of notes being like, I bet you're happy. And, like, some of them were from right-wingers and some of them from left-wingers. Um, the right-wingers being like, why aren't you celebrating? And left-wingers being like, why aren't you celebrating? I'm like, well, you know, because I still want the thing I've wanted all along, which is just socialism. Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the that's, substantive... That's, nothing has changed for me. i still pissed that we don't have the, the welfare programs, and, you know. Aside from the kind of, like, legal and political theory stuff, like, the substantive aspect of it, it's... It, the debate is kind of... It's, it's, it's kind of detached from real considerations, it seems like, in a lot of cases, right? Like... um you know, in states that ban abortions, there's still going to be a a, tr a large amount of abortion. Yeah, I mean, we just we just know this from comparison, right? Yeah. Um, other countries that ban abortion have large amounts of abortion. Abortion uh, is not as easy to uh, you know. It's it, it, in the popular imagination, it's a thing where you go to a clinic, and so you think, oh, it'll be very easy because those are like conspicuous buildings. You shut right. those down and whatever. And while it's true, some you know, in some cases, that's still. You know, people get a real actual physical procedure. Realistically, these days, it's mostly pills, you know, and you get pills through the mail and all this kind of stuff. Um, there will be, of course, an underground railroad, if you will, of of that, that kind of stuff. Like, if you're someone who doesn't like abortion, like, this maybe will reduce it some, but, like, not nearly as much. Like, in some people's imagination, like, you flip the switch and it goes to zero. It doesn't, it's not going to go anywhere near zero. And so, like, if you're practically, if that's your practical aim, you you have to be, like, more thoughtful about, okay, how are we going to get to here? Like, banning doesn't, you know, it's like banning drugs. <laughs> right. It, I mean, it's also, it's just like, I don't know. If Yeah. All of the gleeful kind of celebration and stuff, it's just a morbid symptom because it was just owning the libs. There's a lot of lib owning And it's just like, it. you guys are owning the libs, but it just underscores the degree to which you don't actually give a shit about any of this, right? This is just more lib owning. It's more fun being had at lib expense and whatever. And I get that. I mean, I've fucked with people online. I'm certainly not above it. But like, there's certainly a horizon to the degree to which I fuck with people online and I can distinguish between my like closely held principles and things which I just, you know, exclusively fuck with people online about. And I, I guess for this one, it's like, it was like real people suffering and like a lot of kids born into poverty. Like, it's a really fucked up country and like, we're not at all prepared to, like we're not endowing a decision like this with any resource or anything. Um, and so it's just like sort of, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's just no one's got anything to fucking smile about here. It's, no, no, no. It's bad. There's no flip side. Um, 
you know, this whole the whole uh, seamless garment stuff or whatever. That that is not a present movement <laughs> in American society, no. and certainly not among uh, most com- campaigners in this in this area. You know, I mean. Um, most abortions, uh, or maybe it's a slim majority. I'm not sure, but uh, I mean, I've seen some statistics recently on this. You know, um, you know, it's it's poor women for the most part, right. like by and large, women who already have kids, you and know, people who are trying to manage the kids they have in a lot of cases. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> that's still gonna, that the demand's still going to be high because w- you're facing like unmanageable levels of economic stress. You have huge, yeah, it's just incredible it, levels of poverty and economic tension. And, and there's, there's no, cons- I mean, the, the, the big thing, you know, that we had, which was like even a small thing, like relative to other countries, the CTC, which was going to be available uh, in theory, you know, to all uh, parents, uh, they, nah. I mean, not only, of course, did they cut back the expansion for, back from 3,000 to 2,000, um, but they, you know, the big sticking point um, is that they don't want it to go to poor uh, yeah. families. They don't want it to go to poor people. Which is, that's that, that's where the mm-hmm. the bulk of the abortion activity is occurring. So mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> you know, like, you know. I'll I, believe I know. any of them give a shit about this when they address that. I think there, are, I mean, there certainly are people who are very sincere and very, you know, very torn up about it. But there also seem to be people where they're they're very inscrutable. It's very hard to understand what's what's your deal because like you seem to have a almost kind of detached technical like like your kind of thing is like I I think that's technically murder and like that's kind of it and you're just like that's that's your thing. It's just it's that you think that's technically you don't you don't care like about the parent or the child or you don't care about that like. Right. Are they suffering? You know, like, oh, I, you know, there's a perspective that's just like, oh, I really am just, I love life and kids and I want everyone to be feeling good and happy and this makes me so sad and so I support and it's like, that's not that. Right. There, like, it's this completely, it's like, it's a combination of like lib owning and maybe some misogyny and, and just, you know. And they'll still be super negative about you know, oh, you got pregnant out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you know, I mean, this is a thing I've seen, of course, with your, <laughs> with your dad. To yes, some extent. exactly. They, a lot of conservatives hate, <laughs> and I mean, in a very real sense, not in a, no, I just have a libertarian view about taxes and transfers. No, hate poor women who have children detest and them. get pregnant. Detest them. They hate them. Like cockroaches. Their reaction to them is is akin to seeing a rat run across the floor. That's just the reality. They just hate them. They and hate so them. it's like, okay, so you hate this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you're big on the, <laughs> the abortion you, needs to be banned because yeah. what? Because you, not because you love these people because you don't, but because it's almost again, because they hate them, right? It's like is, would it's this like a punishment? Yeah, it's, would, you need to learn from your mistakes and take accountability for your actions. And it's like, well, well, what are you just trying to make everything worse? And it's like, well, they're never going to be touched by it. So, what does it matter to them? They're never going to see it. It's never going to matter to them. They're so distant from the pain they're inflicting, and no one's ever going to take it out of their ass through taxes. So what does it matter? 
right? I mean... Yeah, they don't even pay taxes to it. That's a funny thing. Like, yeah. if you had the benefits in place, at least I could almost see being like, ah... Yeah, goddammit. The more kids you have, the slightly lower me. my paycheck is. It's yeah. like, you don't no. even have to do that. Not yet, There's bitch. no paid leave. There's no CTC for them, for middle class. There's basically no child care benefits. A little bit of smattering here and there. You know, Barely. I guess I guess they get on chip. Uh, maybe there's a little it's bit of food really, stamps or it's something. It's really like, sad and scant. Um, anyways, I guess we've gone over, but. Um, you know, but it, it is, it's, it's just, you know, it makes you want to do a mass tort. <laughs> I mean, I'd be interested to see, you know, what, what, where it goes and stuff. Like, I, I, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I, you know, when you read the polls, like, of course, the idea of pro-choice versus pro-life, like, that's that's not re- re- reality. Like, people that, and and that this is one of the reasons why it's always been a little bit weird that it's a judicial that that they took this on as a constitutional topic is that abortion law is a um is a is a continuous variable or whatever right you, you, you there's it's a set of restrictions and rules that you can right you can, there's the time like how how many weeks do you have mm-hmm. before you know while it's still legal there are the um exceptions right rape incest life uh there are right there's a whole set of um dials that could be yeah. turned in lots of different ways. That's why it's always kind of a little bit, it's like, oh, not only does the 14th Amendment contain an implied right to privacy, not only does that implied right to privacy uh, contain an abortion right to it, but also that abortion right only is uh, only is allowed for uh, two trimesters. There's only, that's the, uh, in the Constitution, <laughs> there's only two trimesters where you're allowed to do it legally. Uh, in the third, you can't. In, in the Constitution. Um but but I guess my point on this is that how I don't know I mean in most states including red states people don't want it banned <clears throat> entirely they might want it very heavily they restricted want, like, limits right like limits I things. remember I was reading the uh, you know we had that big French uh, election you mm-hmm. know like we were the people everyone's worried like is France going to fall to the far right and whatever right and you, abortion was actually an, a small issue in that election did you know that. I didn't. There was like, uh, that was one of the things that they disagreed about. And apparently what had happened is in France, um, while Macron was president, they changed this nation's abortion law so that you um, could get an abortion up to 14 weeks instead of private. Previously, it was 12 weeks. Uh And Le Pen's position was it should go back to 12 weeks. Uh And Macron was saying it should stay at 14 weeks. Um, And like... The reason that sticks in my mind is when you look at the polls of kind of like where's the majority of the opinion in America, it kind of seems like where you see a lot of the European countries having kind of ultimately fallen out, right? Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, you can ha- you can have it, but it's limited typically to maybe the first trimester or a little bit after, you know, like 12 weeks or 14 weeks. That's the big divide in France. It's limited um time and then there are some exceptions and whatever right so it's like this mixed bag of like yeah like like the the european sentiment if you could sum it up especially by looking at the laws is like this is a peculiar situation where it's a it's a difficult moral uh conundrum and so we're going to kind of tightly we're not going to ban it because we think people should have that right but we're not going to let you go like second trimester or whatever right like like it's funny the the case that they're dealing with in Dobbs, the Mississippi is setting, um, they're setting their abortion um, time limit to fifteen weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, so that's like a, a, a France, gen- generous European time limit. In France, they were debating twelve versus fourteen. 
Um, now, of course, I think once this passes, Mississippi's probably going to ban it entirely. Like, that's going to be the initial mm-hmm. reaction of a lot of states because there's already Republicans in power who want to do it. Like, But I wonder in equilibrium when there's a reaction against that, including among Republicans who are not all, I would, all for bans or even probably mostly for bans. Mm-hmm. You know, how's that going to play out? Like, I, I can imagine a situation where five, ten years from now, the U.S. looks like Europe, <laughs> you know? But. Maybe. That's what Helen Lewis was saying in The Atlantic this morning, my colleague Helen Lewis. Oh, yeah. She was like, well, it may just be that we have to compromise in the in the long term for a situation that's more similar to Europe with, with weak limits. And, you know, so perhaps the goal should just be to try to aim for decent weak limits. Um, so that's that was kind of where she was what she was thinking about in my magazine, which you should subscribe to. Oh, I, yeah. If you, if you to... want to read my uh, my upcoming take, although I've just expressed the gist of it here, which is this isn't what I want. I want welfare. Um, which you will soon be able to see me get murdered and dragged for online. But I won't be seeing it. I'll be watching Law & Order SVU. All right. All righty. Be Bye-bye. well, folks. Adios, mofo.